0: welcome to the before you buy or sell a business podcast where we help buyers and sellers learn more about the acquisition process discuss recent transactions and stay up to date on the latest news in the market here, here's your host jared johnson
1: all right so today i'm here with tommy Spigner. uh this one's kind of a little different than what we normally go over with you know deals that closed we actually have one that unfortunately didn't close. So I think it's a, a good opportunity for us to talk about, you know, what could go wrong on a deal, um, or, you know, sometimes why they don't, they don't go forward on the, on the first try. So how are you doing today?
0: Good. Good. Right. It's a nice day.
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 appreciate you coming down. So, um, you know, kind of first want to just talk about maybe your background, like where did, where did you grow up? Where are you from?
0: Yeah. So I grew up in Florida, uh, over Cocoa beach area, Cape Canaveral, mm. um, so I get to watch the space shuttle go up quite a bit when cool. I was a kid and stuff like that. So uh, and then I kind of uh, fell into IT there, and I realized I didn't want to work for the space center or any of the companies that were there. So I ended <laughs> up moving to uh, Atlanta, okay, and kind of fell into the IT world there, which was great. Mm-hmm. It was a good spot there, uh, and just kind of you know grew up within you know that system and uh, fell into kind of doing more of the sales side and with my technical knowledge and all i kind of uh, it was a kind of a pre-sales engineer okay got to work on the on the selling selling side of the house uh for but also get to do the, still the technical side
1: yeah so you understand the technical side so it's probably a little easier to sell it <laughs> it is you have yeah the personality there was, for it yeah my
0: whole you know purpose was education okay so educating people because i knew how things worked and how it would actually help solve the problems but it's helping them realize it helping them see what the what the picture is yeah that makes sense
1: so where'd you go to college i didn't i skipped
0: i skipped that part you know i uh, i was always like a solid c b student uh Mm -hmm. so i realized that college wasn't going to be my gift yeah uh and like i said i ended up falling into it i was uh, out of high school a couple years okay and um my dad sold insurance there was a new internet provider that was starting up there so i was like try it out yeah 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 i got that got that you know it was just lucky luck of the draw
1: well there's probably not a lot um you actually would learn in college that is kind of applicable to what you do in it anyways right a lot of it's just kind of like learning as you go and learning from someone else yeah
0: yeah yeah i think the college side helps you kind of figure out how to learn you know, um, because yeah. you're on your own, you have to figure out like how to pass or how to, how right. to, how certain things work. Um, I just got that hands-on training instead.
1: Yeah. I had somebody once say that, um, for college, it's just four years of being bored out of your mind to get a piece of paper. <laughs> <But I'm>, like,
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Some
1: of it maybe yeah. is not, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could see the right. argument there. Right. Yeah. I don't know if I had the commitment for it then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So Florida, Atlanta, How'd you end up in Las Vegas?
0: Oh, we took a roundabout through uh, Portland. Okay. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, moved from Atlanta to Portland and uh, moved with a consulting gig then, okay. so IT consulting gig, but uh, I wanted to get out of IT, so I had saved you know, my money, a bunch of money, and I was like, well, what do I do uh, after this gig is up? And I ended up opening up a beer bar and coffee spot oh, wow. in Portland, so... I went from that's very important. from a very <laughs> yes yes it was a very blank slate and yeah. I uh, I negotiated the leases I worked with my, you know uh, wow. I had a, a broker that I worked or broker that I worked with but I worked with them on it I worked on I did the full build out myself I designed it I you know had the full build out done um, so from nothing to to build yeah and uh, I did that for about three years um, it was a good learning experience oh, yeah. long three years too but yeah. uh, there was a there was a ton of work that went into it and um you know it wasn't enough gain from it so mm. i kind of went back to the the it side and okay. i saved and scrapped again and you know came yeah. back around to to the next stage
1: yeah the um i always think it's funny when people say well, I want to do construction or I want to do tenant improvements, and I'm like, "Are you sure?"
0: <laughs> you know, because I kind of right. like
1: try to prepare them and to explain to them, like yeah. it's it's basically a full time job trying to manage everything and and getting it approved, and then and then everybody says like, you know, oh, it'll take three to six months, and it ends up being nine to twelve months, and it's like you know always longer than you expect, so. Yeah, always you, you, yeah you lived that yeah yeah we,
0: you, we can never predict what's to come and that was one of those uh, realizations is that it's not on my time yeah uh, so i had a lot of the, the waiting and the patience practice and that type stuff and, and kind of the aggravation that went with it but yeah full-on learning experience though
1: yeah so okay so then you made Transition, a left turn and yeah. we went to vegas yeah <laughs>
0: never in my life did i think I would live in the desert but oh yeah <laughs> here we are right here yeah are. but you know that's what 2020 did to uh, all of us right yeah it made us reevaluate and adjust so we lived in an apartment downtown portland okay we had two kids in 2020 it was hard yeah and i was just kind of and i was i was actually carrying two w-2s i was doing a consulting gig at the time oh, wow. at the time too Probably one of the worst decisions that i've made from a career perspective but uh, it got through it made yeah. you know made you're able to save some money yeah yeah made the money and but also like allowed us to move to las vegas so i was traveling down here for work you know it's phoenix southwest area anyway. so mm-hmm. i'm like well let's look at las vegas yeah carrying two w-2s so i was like well uh oregon has a nine percent income tax nevada does not have yep. one so i was like that's an 18 percent increase right there yeah so let's go ahead and do And we now live in Las Vegas. Strange.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people I talk to that make that move, they always tell me, like, I didn't really think I'd be here very long or I didn't really know if I would like it. And then they get there and they're like, this is great. Like, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, it's so different. Yeah yeah you just try to stay off the strip as much as you can yeah that's
0: what everybody always says <laughs> we come for visits that's, yeah you know yeah, yeah usually
1: when your friends are in town okay fine i'll come down and go to dinner yeah
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah my oldest son was in town and i took him i ended up taking them to uh, the blue man group and the love show on oh, okay. last thursday the beatles one yeah we, yeah cool. we so we did do- double header we were like, nice. well, let's just do it in one night and just get, get it, done, it over you know, with yeah, yeah <laughs>
1: cool yeah that's good so okay so then at what point did you kind of decide you wanted to look for a business or buy a business
0: you know i've i've always been kind of had of this entrepreneurial mindset Mm -hmm. and i've always thought that you had to start and build something but um figuring out what i wanted to do next um i was just started kind of looking and researching and seeing what was out there and all and you know what what to do what to start and i stumbled upon like you know the idea of buy then build Mm -hmm. versus build then buy i mean build then grow kind of thing so it really just was like oh that that makes sense to me you know that that totally makes sense right it's just like buying a house or it's just like buying any other kind of asset um so it really intrigued me so i just kind of started doing my research and understanding what the process was um and then i just jumped for it just kind of decided that was you know that was the next step was gonna buy a business instead
1: cool yeah i mean i think it's funny that Uh, a good majority of the population doesn't even know you can buy a business. And, and a lot of the sellers don't even know they can sell. It's really interesting because to me, it's just like, well, that's what I've done for so long that it just, you know, makes sense. But then I hear people all the time that say, I had no clue you could buy a business or you have people that were going to just kind of wind down their business and shut it down and they don't realize they could have sold it or, or that they can sell it. Um, so it's, I'm, I'm glad that it's, it's picking up in popularity. Um, You've definitely seen a big shift in the last couple of years of people actually understanding that you can do it. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of funny how to hear you know how people decided to do it, and they a lot of people didn't know you could. So it's really interesting. So um, we can talk about the the deal we were working on. Uh, it was a business. Uh, if you want to tell us kind of like what the business did,
0: yeah, it was uh, an established, uh, long established, long running uh, art framing business uh, here in Las Vegas uh, over on the Summerlin area and um like i said it was established it had a pretty good customer base then the initial uh, numbers looked great um you know things kind of looked very promising i love art i have a bunch of framed art anyways so that had a physical connection to it i had Mm -hmm. like a real connection to that thing so um yeah it was a it just seemed like a kind of a right thing to do
1: and how'd you find that business
0: i just um i've looked at biz by cell and you know LoopNet you know all those things for years just kind of you know dreaming i think you know just kind of understanding was out yeah. there um so i just kind of started the initial research there and i was part of a, um, a kind of a business networking group mm-hmm. or a, here it's a catalyst mastermind okay and the person who uh, runs it sonia she uh, i just asked her you know um i just asked her if she had any recommendations or knew anybody and she ended up, uh, tossing over Lindsay Davino's uh, information. So, cool. uh, and I am, so glad i'm so happy that she did i mean yeah yeah Lindsay's
1: awesome yeah yeah oh yeah she's she's great we actually had her on the podcast i listened um, to it yeah so it was a little different we, we kind of went through a deal it was a little challenging to get people to follow when they're not um like sitting down with you so yeah. i think i'll have her on again maybe we'll talk about a deal or something but yeah she does a great job um especially having the background with leasing and, and working with property managers and stuff so yeah so what what did you like about the business uh, initially when you looked at it
0: so, uh, you know, I uh, come from a specific income level. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, thinking about replacing my income is kind of my is my biggest driver, you know, replacing what I was used to or what I was kind of accustomed to. So mm-hmm. the initial numbers, you know, look promising, um, you know, from a a, um, a a business buying perspective, but also the earnings perspective. So that was kind of within the range that I would be looking for. So that was kind of most intriguing, as well as that kind of again that connection to you know framed art. Yeah, um, was you know, kind of those maybe a combination of those.
1: And then if I recall correctly, I think you and I had a pretty good conversation about what you were going to do with the business afterwards. You, you you kind of identified some some ways to grow it and kind of add other services. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit.
0: Yeah. So whenever I met with the the owner, uh, they mentioned that they had a van. Um, or I looked at, I saw that in the numbers uh, they they had a delivery van and talking with them, you know, just asked them what it was used for. So we talked about you know different services that might be there and you know delivery and installation. It was just something that he was not um, up for doing. He didn't really want to take on that risk or that that side. So um, uh, you know, part of the the growth strategy was you know hopefully add you know, maybe 60,000 or so to, mm-hmm. the, to the revenue stream just with delivery and installation. I have a really good friend back in Atlanta who's done a lot of my framing and also does installation for a high-end place there. And he's out, you know, most of the days. Um, so I knew I had someone who I could get trained by, mm-hmm. but also have as a resource. Um, so I knew that that was a, a, you know, a positive side for growth. Yeah.
1: It seemed like a good add on for, yeah. And then kind of take it from there.
0: yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, and I think that also could lead to hanging other things. Who knows, you know, there's there's definitely, you know, kind of infinite growth that's there. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, one of the things that I realized that going into the business was that, you know, there was a lot of older art, a lot of things that were there that I didn't want to keep in the business. So the ideas were to get connected to the local art community, you know, have people who wanted to sell their own art in, you know, in there as well. Um, And then, uh, you know, I even kind of taking it a step further, I was thinking about a lot of digital art. So there's a lot of digital art creation going on right now, mm-hmm. um, but providing people training and 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 you know services for you know for that um, to kind of have in house. So kind of thinking about like future uh, future proofing the business as well, um, whether that's print out or even teaching people how to do AI art generation stuff now.
1: Yeah, that's it's so crazy what what's going on.
0: It's amazing. I always
1: feel like. Um, every industry goes through kind of cycles of, of growth and, you know, evolving. And it's so weird to see that it feels like we're kind of stagnant for a little while. And then it just goes crazy. Like with AI right now, everything's just going crazy. And then it'll kind of like slow down again and then something else will go crazy. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to think about how they can almost replicate anything Mm -hmm. at this point, you know, with AI. So yeah, I didn't even think about them doing kind of digital art. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean,
0: if you create some masterpiece that you're just like amazed by, you know, and you want to put it on your wall, yeah. You know, there there's you should be able to do that. Right. You should have an option for it. Yeah. I am not
1: artistic at all. So <laughs> <laughs> let the let the AIs do it. <laughs> yeah, I can barely draw a stick people for my kids. So yep. yeah, yep. it'd be pretty rough. So um do you remember what the business was listed
0: for? It was listed for six forty five okay. initially. Six hundred forty five thousand.
1: All right. And then um how did the negotiations go? Uh
0: so after getting connected to Lindsay, uh she helped me understand how the valuation kind of came about and took me through some of the initial numbers. Uh so with that and her guidance, uh some of her tools, I think that maybe you talked about, they uh we kind of came up with a what we thought was a fair price you know it was based off of you know uh, it's like a you know the multiplier i think it was 2.85 or something okay. like that uh, that came came out to like a more even number and again kind of a fair price it seemed like what we had
1: okay yeah so you i think you settled on like 602 602 yeah. yeah so got that done um do you have any advice for buyers as far as kind of the negotiation process or, or figuring out how to value and, and kind of get the, the buyer to
0: buy off on your price? I think I was really lucky in finding somebody who had the right tools and mm. mindset to help me with it. I think the biggest advice is finding a good broker. Yeah, Someone who will actually not necessarily just kind of throw stuff at you, but explain things to you but like also open up the books and kind of show you what's going on behind the scenes to help you understand what's going on
1: yeah some great advice
0: yeah um so i think that you know help get as much of the the best help that you can and i, I think that one of one of the things that i really appreciate that i you know I was happy that i did is i built a network of people who i could go to and ask different questions about you know people mm. who are you know similar in a similar trade people who are more financially minded people who are more business minded people who are just kind of from the book side um, bookkeeping so that whenever i was going through the numbers and kind of figuring out certain things that i had multiple people's eyes on it to help make sure that i my story that i was creating was right and you know i could t- i could t- talk through it um but just having the outside opinions of, of people
1: yeah, that makes sense. So that's some great advice. Appreciate it. Then you and I kind of went through the deal. Um, I think we we're including about 60000 in working capital. You were going to put 10% down. So kind of went through the normal process with underwriting, got the loan approved. Wasn't, wasn't too difficult for us. Um, and then from there, you kind of started the due diligence. So maybe talk about that a little bit. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So uh, this was my first business buying opportunity. So kind of learning really what encompassed the due diligence was you know was was one of the things that made me realize that I really like to do this and that I could do that on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so the due diligence process, gathering as much information as possible, um, you know pictures of documents, uh, pictures of things you know and, and having to take that and consolidate it into you know into a nice format, you know readable format and all. So I took all of this data. Took all this information that I got and kind of consolidated and grabbed all the numbers and kind of understood where where things were going um, and you know kind of what the numbers look like from you know kind of really every aspect you know from the high level to the personnel to the you know down to the little bits of you know expenses and all um, so kind of understanding what that looked like again having you know a, a solid base of people review it and help me understand that you know that things looked you know logical um so going through that understanding you know what the numbers were looking like you know it made me feel positive made me feel good um, one of the things that i realized was buying a business is definitely an emotional roller coaster <laughs> absolutely <laughs> you know day in and day out just i guess with you know most things so, um uh yeah and and you know things looked good i think that you know uh once i did that and we talked about it things looked pretty good until the end and we kind of realized we we you know there were some expenses that were gonna you know increase everything from personnel to what we found you know was the lease
1: yeah maybe dive into that a little further i think it's good for people to to kind of realize um doing the due diligence there's so many different things you can check off um and kind of make sure that they look right um now obviously on yours maybe talk about the first thing um I believe you you had gotten some updated numbers and then went through the payroll. So maybe we could talk about that a little bit.
0: Yeah. So we got the f- the first quarter P and L uh, for for this year, and um, realized that some of the the personnel, like the labor costs, were more than mm-hmm. you know what was last year. And just based off of projections, it was about a sixty thousand dollar difference. Um, after talking and kind of, you know, getting a little bit more updated information, it was maybe closer to 50,000, but still a pretty big yeah, number, significant, yeah. significant number. Um, so we realized that that was, you know, throwing things off. So that was definitely cutting into the the actual earnings and all that was, you know, those numbers were starting to shrink. Uh, and then one of the things that, and I'm not sure you were privy to, but they, the owner or, or sorry, the, the seller. Um, felt that they had a really good relationship with the landlord and that they would be able to just transfer the lease over and, you know, nothing, nothing would change. So that was kind of part of the numbers as well, original numbers. And once we got into it, real we realized, everyone realized that the landlord is a landlord. And they, even though it was, uh, they, they saw that as an extremely low uh, lease rate. Mm-hmm. So they bumped it up to even, you know, it's still less than market value, but that added another, you know, $20,000 a year to the expenses. So with that, um, you know, we're at a 60 to $70,000 difference. In, yeah. It's a big in,
1: difference, especially in, on a $600,000 purchase price. I mean, you're, you're talking 10% of the, the purchase price. I mean, so it, it drastically affects everything. Yeah. I think, um, one of the, the biggest challenges that we've been having I think since probably maybe middle of like 2021 has been dealing with landlords. Mm. Um, A lot of them got, got hurt or got a little burned during COVID. um, And I think a lot of them are a little nervous. So every time we're going to transfer a lease agreement, I'm always like, Oh no, here we go. Like, let's see what, what's going to happen. Right. Um, I I would say it's probably been one of the biggest things that have killed deals lately has just been the landlords either not wanting to just flat out not wanting to transfer the lease. Um, I had a lot of them that um, ask for huge deposits. Um, I just had one deal die. They they literally asked for three hundred fifty thousand dollar deposit, and the guy's like, "Where am I supposed to come up with that?" You know. <laughs> so yeah, there's been quite a few um, you know kind of crazy things like that. And then the majority of them have looked at it as an opportunity to up the rent um you know with inflation everything typically goes up but at the end of the day what i'm noticing is i feel like the landlords kind of feel like it's a good opportunity they have some leverage because you can't buy the business if you don't transfer the lease and so they look at it as an opportunity to raise rents because you're kind of stuck right so um sounds like you know that kind of happened so so you gathered all the information uh, realized it was anywhere from like fifty to seventy thousand dollars, like direct hit to the bottom line. Um, and then, what'd you do at that point?
0: Well, I um, I reached out to you uh, to make sure that your numbers were you know right, um, and we talked about the the difference in in earnings mm-hmm. and numbers in the bottom line itself. And um, I think that what that is probably triggered uh, something internally for you all to review. You know, go back and yeah. review. Uh, and understand what the what the issues or w- what the what the real numbers were.
1: Yeah, for us. So when we're looking at the the actual, you know, seller's discretionary earnings. So essentially, you know, what the seller's taking home. Um, we need to look at that in order to have enough income to pay back the loan. Um, and then, you know, from there, we can also look to make sure you can pay yourself a salary, all that good stuff, if if it's necessary. Um, So often, what happens when things like this arise is that we have to go back and kind of rerun the numbers. So, if you're taking out, you know, fifty thousand in net income, then we'll go back and reevaluate the cash flow to see is there enough income there um, when we include the loan payments to pay us back. Um, Mm -hmm. In your case, I believe there was it was a pretty big difference um, to where it 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 kind of you know made it so it didn't work. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I know we we'd kind of talked through making you know another offer or seeing what we could do to to kind of get us there to we, we definitely wanted to do the deal we liked you we liked the business but unfortunately i guess kind of what what happens working backwards is when there's you know a, a big hit to the bottom line and and you had mentioned this earlier use a multiple of that number well if you keep the multiple the same and but you lower the number then it should spit out a new valuation right and so uh, you know maybe kind of go into that i think that's basically what you did right and went back to the seller
0: yeah so exactly so uh w- w- you know I, I took it from a couple of perspectives um one was i changed the multiplier from 2.85 to 2.55 you know so 3 tenths of a percent you know so
1: yeah and we see that often because um as the amount of sales discretionary earnings goes down, usually the multiple will go down as well. So the higher the the amount of, you know, sales discretionary earnings, typically the higher the multiple. Now every industry is going to be a little bit different, but the majority of the time that's what we see. When we get to a larger number, you know, 500, 750 something like that, you start to see the multiples jump drastically because it becomes more valuable and and more you know, you're getting a better return on your money at that point. So yeah, so that's why you made the adjustments down.
0: Yeah, so we made adjustments down with yeah with the multiplier, but I also kind of thought about it from a different perspective of um, I was you know kind of the way they presented it was you know with this change, you know it's roughly one year of that lost earnings. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I will take the hit for the first year. Well, they'll take they'll take the hit for the first year. But after that, you know, I will have had 12 12 months or or however long to figure out how to add additional revenue, you know, figure out how to recoup that from there.
1: Yeah. And I get I get sellers sometimes that in like so in your situation with the deal I've had many times where um, they'll look at it and they'll say, well, but you were going to grow the business. And it's like, correct. So the value will increase after I grow the business. I'm not buying it on speculation. Right. And, and that's where I think a lot of the sellers kind of don't understand. They, and, and the brokers push it that way too sometimes where like, well, this is how it could look if you did these six things. And you're saying, right, but I'm not buying it for how it could look. I'm buying it for how it looks right now. So right. yeah, that that's a big challenge that we deal with.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I mean, again, we can't predict what the future is. So if right. tomorrow I got, you know, disabled or something bought yeah. like, the business it would have to run in its in its current state right and i would have to kind of live off of that yeah um so i uh, yeah i'm not buying enough of the future uh, i mean i i see what the future is but i don't see you know i'm not buying it off the future
1: right so when you um so originally you had agreed at 602 was there a number that you went back to them? with? yeah
0: so i went back to them with i think it was 535
1: okay so not even a huge hit i mean it, it technically should have been you know probably more like a you know a hundred thousand dollar drop right and so yeah
0: yes absolutely so with um yeah with different uh with, with the updated numbers and and kind of messing you know kind of fudging. i mean ultimately it would have been about four thirty, like mm-hmm. you know, from the the very low level. Yeah. But I think it was like five twenty was was kind of what a what what the numbers kind of worked out to. So I you know asked for five thirty five or offered five thirty five.
1: How did that negotiation go? I mean, maybe kind of walk a, a buyer through how that works.
0: Yeah. So I talked with uh, my business broker again and uh, talked with them through the numbers and you know make sure that we were on the same page so then we went back and offered them the 535 that was um, uh, sent over to their broker and then to the seller and then after they reviewed the the offer which took a couple days mm-hmm. uh, Took a you know, a couple agonizing days. I was going to say, yeah, you're probably sitting yeah. on the edge. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, you know, I've put so much time and effort and mind, you know, mindfulness into this business that it's kind of hinging on this last decision. Uh, so when we offered them that, you know, after them, come, you know, kind of sitting with it for a little bit, they came back and they, they said that they were not, they would not take that number, so at that point i would have to come up with the difference um
1: so they didn't want to budget all
0: they didn't want to budget all wow and i even you know i wanted to ask for you know it was going to change it to where i would you know add an an additional oh you're going to put in more money yeah yeah yeah, like an additional maybe twenty five thousand. yeah um and then for them to meet me halfway, so instead yeah. of you know sixty five thousand, you know forty thousand dollar, fifty thousand dollar difference, and they weren't, wouldn't budge on that. And the the response back from the seller was that if it was anything below six hundred thousand, didn't make sense to them.
1: Hmm. Um, Even though you would assume that a seller would look at the numbers that you're presenting to them and they would understand that nobody's going to buy it for that because it's always based on a multiple unless. I mean, sometimes you'll see people where it's kind of strategic, but you know, this type of industry, there's not a bunch of art framing companies around trying to go buy them all up, right? right. So it's not HVAC. Um, <clears throat> so it's kind of surprising when when they, they either don't really understand or maybe they just decided they don't really want to sell. Um, sometimes that happens. Um, so I, I don't know if you got any kind of pulse on that.
0: I think what happened was that the lease only has a couple of years left. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe what he realized was cause this business went for sale, went on, uh, was listed last year. Okay. So I think that what they were really kind of aiming for was the 600,000. So $200,000 a year. And you know, oh, okay. uh, you know, from, from the sale yeah. for three years, which was the last three years of the lease. Mm-hmm. And then I think that what happened was it comes down to this two years left of the lease. So if they're not getting $600,000, 3 years of kind of that additional earnings, yeah, um, then it wouldn't make sense for them versus them looking at it from the last two years. They only have two more years of it.
1: Right. Yeah, because they... Because the lease was only going to affect you with the with the change in in the the, the rents every month, right? So, yeah, so in two years they're going to have to face that and figure out what they're going to do. But yeah, yeah.
0: and he's re- he was really working towards retirement, and I think that that was one of the bigger reasons why the personnel like the salary was off mm-hmm. because he was taking more time outside of the business okay. and needing more coverage for internal. So he was shifting his you know pay to somebody else's for him to spend more time outside of it so i think that you know from the retirement's perspective it's probably just easier to retire and close it on out from there
1: yeah that makes sense yeah i was uh, i was pretty bummed um that they didn't (laughs) want to do it because it was it was nice working with you and obviously i love working with Lindsay. so um yeah i guess sometimes it just doesn't work out doesn't make sense but you know i'll tell you uh from doing this for so long the majority of buyers that their deals fall short like that right they end up not happening they they almost always find something better and then they're kind of like i'm so glad i didn't buy (laughs) that stupid art business like yeah you know and they're so excited that like something ended up working out better so i I have faith that'll happen with you (laughs) um so you, you ended up canceling um you know were you able to get your deposit back from escrow and everything
0: yeah. So I got my deposit back from escrow and I realized that, uh, you know, with buying a business is expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's fees everywhere. So I think that one of the things that I could provide is, um, always ask for a list of fees upfront. You know, what, yeah. what are you going to, uh, what do you, what should you expect? We don't expect that we're not going to buy the business uh, so we don't think that we're gonna to have to pay the fees yeah um, but we do uh, when we get those things back. so everything that's unraveled from all of the the work and the and all it's it's been it's it's expensive in itself
1: yeah, I know i I, I kind of go back and forth with it like I don't know that a seller would ever agree to it and I think what what happens I've seen contracts where they say essentially if the deal doesn't go through because there's a change or something you discover in due diligence that the seller has to pay for that stuff and nobody ends up ever collecting it from the seller. So mm. it ends up being kind of like you can put it in the contract, but most likely not going to happen. So,
0: yeah, well, I think that, so I think that because it's such an, in, in the infancy of you know mm. selling businesses that um, I think eventually we'll get to where there's a little bit more of a buyer not protections, but buyer, mm-hmm. you know, kind of uh, leverage right yeah. now because all sellers have all the leverage right now. Right.
1: Yeah. There's, there's, there's almost always more buyers and sellers. So yeah. It, and, and it's been that way for quite a while now, I'd say at least probably eight or nine years, it's been a, a pretty hard run of it, you know, catching on that you can buy a business and then people wanting to get out of corporate America and buy a business and, and, you know, whatever the reasons are, but it seems to be that there's more buyers. And so as in, until the there's either less buyers or the buyers kind of get together and say i'm not doing that um or if there's some kind of like federal regulation that goes into place um unfortunately we kind of every transaction's a, a little similar or is still kind of operating maybe a little bit more like old school like mm-hmm. type mentality and then every state's different as well um so a lot of states you don't even have to have any kind of license to be a business broker so that's that's challenging as well because you have people selling businesses that you know don't really have a license or have the experience but then looking at it further it's kind of like well what experience do they actually have you know with real estate y- you get a license usually for real estate but a lot of them that are selling businesses have a real estate license so it's kind of funny because you're like well I don't need to know how big an acre is you know <laughs> like so to sell a business so the idea behind it I guess is because half the time you're also negotiating on the lease but yeah, they, it would be nice because because the majority of the time when you're buying or selling a home, you have a, re- a real estate agent who has to abide by kind of like a realtor code, and they they've you know done all the education and everything. And there's so many more of them that you usually have a, you know a pretty good mentor or something that kind of taught you how it works. Um, and then there's laws and regulations behind it. With business acquisitions, there's not, and so a lot of it is kind of just. Whatever the brokers can, you know, kind of keep keep the the train on the tracks or whatever. But yeah, it's it. it I, I would be totally for that if if we could get some kind of regulation in place. It would be nice. Yeah. Maybe one day. Yeah, maybe one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well,
0: we keep on doing this. We'll, we'll we'll eventually have some sort of voice in it. Yeah. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, that would be great. All right. So you end up canceling. Um, you know there was there was some uh, expenses there um, that you incurred, um, even though it didn't even go through. Um, what would you say was kind of the the biggest challenge during the transaction for you? Patience. Okay. And I
0: think patience is always the thing, right? So I think we talked about. You know, when I was building out the bar and waiting on contractors, it was always on their time. Yeah. So most everything is on at someone else's time. Uh, so patience is a big thing for sure. Um, and then uh, I think the biggest thing is I realized I can, I can do this. Yeah. People can do this. People can, you know once you sit down and you and take the time and to kind of put things together, you can definitely do this. Um, it's a great learning experience. You know, it's a great experience just to kind of understand what's going on in the yeah. markets and how you can be a part of it. You know, I, I, see so many posts on Reddit that are like, how do I, you know, you know, get passive income or do these things. I have these this stuff. I'm like, and every single time that pops in my head is like, just buy a business. Just yeah. buy a small business and do and just and if you can't manage it, find somebody to manage it for you.
1: Yeah, the return is definitely a lot better than especially real estate right now. Um and I guess the 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 biggest difference is it is more work. Um there there's a lot more involved um you know than just buying a, a piece of property and plugging a a tenant in or if you've already got a tenant or something but the return is so much greater that it makes sense to do it and i think that's what we're starting to see is so many people are realizing they're they're not getting a good return in the stock market they're they're getting literally no return on real estate investments right now um people are kind of done with the airbnb thing it seems like and so now we're seeing people shift to buying businesses because there's there's so much better of a return um you know of course it's not easy it's not uh you know just parking your money with a financial advisor and hoping (laughs) to get a return it's it's a lot of work so um you know but i think as as it it evolves more and more we're starting to see more and more people dive into it so
0: yeah i think that the other part of what i realized too is you know i think we sometimes we get this fear like we're gonna get stuck in business we're gonna get Mm -hmm. stuck in a thing but the reality is, if we can buy a business, we can also sell a business right so if it's not something that you're you truly love or you're passionate about or it's not working the way that you you know that you want it to do, there is an opportunity to get to sell that business
1: yeah there's there's been a lot of deals I've done where you know six to twelve months in, they say, "Hey, you know, I decided this wasn't right for me for whatever reason mm-hmm. um But oddly enough, a lot of them have increased the net income. They've improved the business during that period. And I'm like, why are you selling? Like, this is silly, you know, and then they just say, well, it's just not a passion or it's just not something they really enjoy or it takes too much of their time um, or they want to move. You know, there's so many different reasons for it, but they usually end up being able to get out of it um, and then they'll go on and buy something else. So um, thanks for saying that. It's that's some great, great advice. Um, So what's next?
0: Uh, so my kids are out for summer, so I'm taking the summer with the family (laughs) uh, and just kind of, you know, kind of breathing and kind of, you know, taking that time, uh, realizing that, you know, um, you know, money is important, but time is, is important. Time is finite. So spending the, spending that extra time to kind of figure out what's next, um, but also spend it with the family. Uh, so the next is, you know, I've already looked at the, the listings. I've already talked with, uh, Lindsay and, you know, about what, you know, what might be uh, to come. So there's, there's something out there. I'm going to find it, um, find, you know, that, but I'm going to kind of take my time and, you know, kind of make sure that uh, I do, you know, I I get through it this time.
1: Yeah. Is there any industries that you're focusing on?
0: Not necessarily. Um, I feel confident that I can run most businesses Um, uh, there are certain things that I don't want to do. I don't want to do food. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to get into that space. And all I know that people have done it and make money off of it, but I don't know that I'm, I don't want to necessarily do that. Um, so I, I, mean, I, I really am thinking more about like service related things, um, not the HVAC and, and all, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, other home services, other things that are out there. I mean, you know, one of the things about Las Vegas is that uh, they're encouraging people to replace grass. So mm-hmm. turf businesses, you know, I know that there's a lot that are out there, but, you know, um, that, uh, you know, looking for that next type, but also looking for kind of the tangential, you know, uh, options. Yeah, something that. you can grow as well. Yeah, yeah.
1: Makes sense. Cool. Well, um, okay. So I always ask two questions at the end. So first one is, um, do you have a mentor? Have you ever had a mentor?
0: I don't. I don't I've always, uh, I've, I've wanted a mentor for a long time. I'm um, not sure how to kind of go about it, really. as right. uh, I have my own, you know, my own mindset and my own thoughts and, you know, and, and also um, I've, I've wanted a mentor for a long time, um, but I don't have one now.
1: All right. Well, we'll we'll put your contact info at the the All bottom, right. and then maybe somebody will reach out to you. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then, um, you know, you've been successful. Let's see. So you've you've moved several times around the country. You know, you have got some you know some challenges with that. Um, didn't go to college, but still figured out the IT gig. You know, you built a a restaurant bar in portland then moved again so you've been you know pretty successful with all that stuff what what motivates you what what drives you to to be successful and to continue you know getting better
0: uh we only get to do this life one time so uh you know i have the energy for it i have the the passion for learning and i think that that's part of the the next phase is just learning what i don't know um one of the questions that i always like to ask people is you know what are the questions that i'm not asking or mm-hmm. i don't know to ask um because i want to go into it always learning yeah uh, so i think that with this is um the ability to learn the ability to do something really kind of drives me and, I, and just kind of always been intrinsically motivated to do things for myself
1: yeah no that's great i think uh, learning is one of the few things that you can like just never really stop doing it's, yeah it's fun, yeah, it's I have uh, six year old twins, and my daughter just loves learning, and it's so cool to like talk to her the other day, I was trying to teach her the difference between gross profit and net profit <laughs> and she she's just like, what
0: like wow
1: <laughs> like but then she'll come back later and ask me questions about it and it's like it's just so cool to watch like, their brains but um like you i I love learning i i find myself like reading things constantly or like i you know i want to learn how to do something and then i just become obsessed with it and then i like have to know it you know inside it out and then i'm like
0: okay on to the next thing (laughs) yeah yeah maybe maybe we have some ADD or something oh yeah uh, yeah. that's part of the drive
1: (laughs) oh absolutely yeah i think i think uh most people that are are pretty good at things or like have that ability to learn like that have definitely have some ADD or some yeah. ADHD. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, and then you did the sales side. So you have to have a little bit of it. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So yep. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So cool, man. Well, I mean, hopefully uh, you'll find something soon. Um, yeah, you know, looking forward to, to seeing what you find. Um, you know, hopefully uh, something will present itself and it'll work out. But I'm glad you got to spend the summer with your kids and yeah. do some relaxing. So I'm sure something will work out. and, looking forward to working on the next deal with
0: you. Same. It's been great working with you. You definitely have been really helpful through this whole process. Just having you know you as a trusted advisor and resource has been great. Well, thank you. Yeah.
1: So, all right. Looking forward to uh, that call when you find the right business. Absolutely. All right. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening. We hope you found this podcast informative and helpful. Please don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. For more information, or if you'd like to discuss a transaction, please go to www.jaredwjohnson.com.